At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. It is the Beating the Book podcast. Gil Alexander, how you doing? Hope all is well during this very surreal time that is the global pandemic. Hope you are safe with your loved ones. Something to distract you from the day-to-day drudgery of the world that we live in these days. Chrissy Andrews, part three of Storytimes. Back to back to back. A lot of adventures and bad bookmaking on this one, but also a uh, horse racing tale thrown in as well. Part three, Chrissy, Storytime on a numbers game at VEASAN, now on the podcast right here at Beating the Book. Enjoy. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Monday morning to you from San Francisco. It's Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, Sirius XM Channel 204, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app, Fubo Sling and Game Plus. Thanks for joining us this morning for part three, part number three of the uh, Chris Andrews story time special where we call together all the story to uh, not all the story times really but as many of the highlights of story times from years gone by on the beating the book podcast and from a numbers game and try to put it in audio form back to back to back because honestly what better time ever is there to have done this than now in these strange times hope you're staying safe hope you're with your loved ones and that voice you hear in the background is that of the south point hotel casino sportsbook director chris the andrews by mishbooka good morning chris how are you, man? What's going on, pal? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yep. Actually doing fine. You know, I joked about it last week. I'd make a great prisoner. And, uh, you know, I'm reading, writing, and watching a lot of TV. So that's, that's my day. And uh, in this day and age, I guess that makes you like a hero or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing yeah. fine. 
Good. Glad to hear you. And again, uh, you know, if if a distraction is what we can create for folks, uh, then I think we're doing our job over here today. We'll go through some of the great uh, stories. And, and really, these aren't stories to start the show with today so much as they are that sort of segment that we had on top of stories, which was Adventures in Bad Bookmaking Through Your Years. Uh, again, the book is Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada. That's where all these come from. And you started out, could you remind folks what the, the first couple Adventures in Bad Bookmaking we left off with last Wednesday? Gee, oh, I can't remember. What did we talk about last Wednesday? Oh, my God. Hockey teasers. That's the one that uh, has yeah. touched so many people, and I hear about that all the time. Dave Koch, and uh, he kind of reminded me of it last week. He wanted to know, whatever happened to the guy that was booking the hockey teasers? I, I would venture to say he's probably not in the business anymore. But uh, yeah, it, I get I get those kind of notes every once in a while from guys. Yeah, that that seems to have struck a lot of people. Are we talking about Roxy giving the numbers to a guy? This is way way long ago when uh, the Ivy League was uh, still. Uh, I like it. One, it, it wasn't a bunch of white guys shooting set shots, but it wasn't far from that. It was before the shot clock and the three point line. And he was giving them totals like 97, 98, you know, 92. And the guy thought it was 197 and 198 and 192. And, uh, obviously, that guy, uh, I don't think he stayed in business too long after that either. But uh, those are a couple of the ones that I mentioned last week. But I, we got a whole bunch of others because I've been in this a long time. And I've seen some really bad bookmaking over the years. And uh, we're yeah. going to hit on some of those today. Well, and those of us who uh, weren't around for that, we sort of we we shake our heads and we're like, "Wow, I wish that kind of stuff would exist today." Because if it happens today, they sort of like, "Ah, your bet is nullified and forget you," kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah. No, no real sustained errors like that. Um, can we do the old? Uh, let, let's start with the Stardust opening lines. I know you have a story around that. Okay, so this would be like kind of towards the late '80s. Uh, mid to late eighties. And this is when Scott Scheller, who by the way, preceded me at Cal Neve, I took over for Scott and, uh, Scott and I have certainly been friendly over the years. You know, we're not like real close or anything, but we've, uh, we've had a relationship. I like Scott. He's a good guy. Uh, anyway, Scott, uh, really did a lot of things to, to move this industry forward when he was at the, uh, when he was at the Stardust and he would open the line on Sunday night at the Stardust. And it was kind of considered at the time like the opening number. And, you know, there was no no internet, no Chris, no Pinnacle, nothing in the Caribbean, none of that crap. You know, so Scott's line was the opening line. And it was uh, it was a madhouse to get to the window when Scott put up the numbers. And he put them up, and he had, they had a lottery. And, like, you know, you were number one line or number 14, you know, whatever it was. They had to get a line, show them your line. And uh, you got to make through that and go to the back line. So this was uh, kind of a, you know, uh, a stock market, I would say. That sort of frenzy. Uh, and so I had a guy in Reno, and I don't want to mention who he is or where he works because guys would figure out exactly who he is. But, you know, we always get there's so many opinions in this business, and some are just, some are like sort of right. Some are partially right, and some are like way, way off. Anyway, a lot of guys, <laughs> a lot of guys would say, "Well, that opening number is as good a number as anything else in the world." And I would always say, "You know, yeah, it was. 
when Bob Martin was making the line. But, you know, it was a whole different world back then. We didn't have this kind of information. Not that Bob's line wasn't great. Bob was, you know, that was the Bible. When Bob put out a line like seven, that was the number. Trust me, that was, and if it went one way or the other, you know, if you went back to Bob's number, you were doing fine. But it wasn't like that anymore. You know, the, the whole the whole world had changed. Everything had changed. But I still had some guys who believed that that opening number was as solid a number as you could possibly get. And this guy evidently was one of them. So Scott would open the, the, the line, I, I want to say like about 7 o'clock on Sunday night, and he would open the line the next day on Monday morning at about 11 with Scott's opening number, not the number that got batted around. So some of these games moved four, five, six points. You see how it goes in college football. I mean, pros, you know, uh, even pros can move like a point, maybe a point and a half, and that's a key move in the pros. But in college football, games would move like crazy. Well, he would open Scott's original number, the original number he posted on the board. So I was getting the, I got naturally all the updates, you know, what Scott opened and what the games had moved to. And you know, so by like 11 o'clock, and not everybody, there's like one other guy, and he, I see him around Las Vegas right now. There's one other guy that kind of knew this. And I would be there at 11 o'clock when he opened the numbers. And, you know, by like 1130 or noon, I was like done for the week with all my action. You know, I got to bet, you know, any opening numbers that I wanted. And then sometimes I agreed with the move and then I would just, you know, not play or, you know what I mean? Maybe come in and bet the other way or whatever it was, you know? So I had, I mean, I was like a, in the candy store and uh, uh, you know eventually this guy got fired it cost me quite a bit of money and uh, he was replaced actually by a friend of mine so like the gravy train had left town but this guy did some unbelievable things the other one that he did so i mean the, that the football was you know i made just a ton of money yeah like i said just you got the bed into stale numbers for like a pretty decent limit i think he was taking i know i was betting a dime a game and I, it was probably about all he was taking uh but it really was like a lot of gravy but the other thing that he would do that uh, shows you how sharp he was we had he would put up like the go don't go on fight but he would put up two different numbers like uh, he put up seven and a half rounds and, you know, over was the favorite. And he put up nine and a half rounds. And then under was the favorite. Well, he was letting us parlay. You could parlay the over seven and a half to the over nine and a half. And uh, <laughs> wow. for those of you guys that can't, you know, if you're not quite figuring out. Yeah, if it goes nine and a half, it already went seven and a half. So you're betting, <laughs> you were making one bet, essentially getting paid for two of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this went on for like a couple of years. And we had, uh, there was another friend of mine who was in there doing the same thing. And sometimes we would just split it. You know, uh, you know, he would tell me, he goes, well, I'm going to bet both of them under. I'd say, well, okay, I'm going to bet both of them over. And like, whatever we make, we would split, you know? And uh, it's not like you'd make a force. You wasn't taking a ton of money on these things, but you know, it was good. Every time there was a fight, it was good for, you know, at least a couple hundred bucks in your pocket. You know, there wasn't that much risk, really. I mean, if it came eight rounds, you know, you, you 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 could lose, 
you know, one unit, you know, or actually lose the parlay, I should say. You know, so it, it could, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, risk free, but God dang, it was one of those things where you're getting, you're making essentially a straight bet and getting paid for a two team parlay. And it was a lot of gravy in there too. And uh, I just remember one day, you know, I was, I was making the bet and he just, he just kind of looked at me and goes, wow. Um, I guess if it goes nine and a half, it already went seven and a half, huh? I said, oh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like, uh, well, that that particular gravy train stopped right then and there. But we had plenty others going. That's just the kind of bookmaker he was. And he's actually had a pretty decent career as a, uh, uh, you know, somewhere in, like, the political realm. So, that, again, that'll tell you what kind of realm that is, too. Mm, <laughs> so, uh, so that yeah. was uh, that was uh, story number one. I got that, that Scott's opening numbers you know, uh, like 14, 15 hours after they were posted. And the you know, guys at the Stardust were killing each other. There's even a story one time of a guy pulling out a gun to get in line to bet. I said, man, if I'm pulling out a gun, I'm going to be robbing somebody. I don't want to be giving them my money because that's pretty much what he was doing. Well, he was kind. Of, he kind of was robbing someone, just not you with the gun, right? He kind of was. Yeah, yeah. probably, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but wait, so hold on now. So, so those boxing and you can't even call those. I mean, can you even call those correlated parlays? I mean, those are right on top of each other. So they're, they're as correlated as anything gets. Um, but did it, how long yeah. did it last for? How long would you say that you had the opportunity to bet those before? And I guess what you're suggesting is he was standing right over your shoulder and that's what ended it. Cause he finally figured it out. Well, yeah, the boxing parlays, and, and I would say the, uh, the the Stardust opening numbers. The Stardust opening number thing lasted like two full football seasons. You know, Jeez. I mean, like I said, they didn't take wow, they didn't take big action, but they took like a dime. You know, I mean, so uh, and that's about all I was betting at the time. Yeah, I'd bet a little more if I had a chance to get a good number or something like that. But I mean, you know. When you had that kind of gravy, I mean, I didn't have that big of a bankroll to bet every game that I liked. You know what I mean? There was a lot of gravy out there. You know, like I said, you had uh, guys uh, you know, almost killing each other to get in line at the start. So, I, I mean, I'd walk out of there on a Monday with, you know, 20, 25 plays sometimes, you know, and uh, – it was just it was it was just uh, the biggest gravy train you could ever imagine, and I, I was keeping track of my action at the time. And uh, when my friend did go in there and replace this guy, I told him, "I said, I hope you do okay, but I want you to tell him I want to tell you how much money you cost me by you getting this job because he was he was way too sharp to ever do anything that stupid. <laughs> he just wasn't going to do that." Jeez, and what but, year uh, again? What years again? Good old days, man. What years again? These were mid was... to late eighties, mid to late eighties. Um, yeah, probably, uh, I'd say like 86, 87, like right in there, right about in there. Yeah. Man. But you know, you see that a lot, Gil, with, uh, anytime a new industry and it was still sports betting, um, especially like in the casinos was still like, like a relatively new thing. And we still had the guys like from the old, you know, Vegas veterans will know from the old Churchill down Santa Anita, you know, the Hollywood downtown, the Saratoga, I mentioned Bill Darks, Del Mar a couple of times. Now those were a lot of, you know, crusty old bookmakers that really knew what was going on. Uh, but a lot of, uh, you know, these casino executives and I wrote it in the book. A lot of times they said, well, 
yeah, look at this guy. He's a nice guy. He reads the sports page every day. He'll just get the numbers and, uh, you know, we'll be fine. Yeah, he looks good. He wears a tie. His shoes are shined. And, uh, he'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, we'll have him be our sports book manager. Yeah, everything will work out just fine. And so, and just to yeah, give, just to give was, some uh, context, Chris, to, to those days, because for those who <clears throat> aren't aware of Vegas in those days, and by the way, great shots at VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app of old Vegas. Uh, shout out to uh, our producer today, Danny Burke, for uh, for helping to put those up. The um, the sports books, we, we all take it for granted now that sports books are inside casinos. But in those days, just to paint a picture, those were standalone sports books that had, by and large, the names of horse racing tracks. Is that how it was, generally speaking? Mostly, yeah. There was a couple that were not. Like I said, there was the Hollywood downtown. But other than that, I'm trying to think of some of the guys. There was, you know, the Hollywood, which is the old Hollywood racetrack. There was uh, Del Mar, uh, the Santa Anita, Churchill Downs. Oh man, I'm, uh, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to look back. There, there was one, the Rose Bowl, which obviously is not a racetrack. You know, but that, that's kind of where. Um, that's where most of the names came from. And back in those days, really the, 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 the room was mostly dedicated to horse players. Um, you'd go in and the sports side was very small relative to the horse side. Um, Cause that's, that's really where the action was. And, and you know, that, like I said, I mean, it's hard to think of that now, but sports betting, I mean, it, it was popular amongst, you know, I'd say guys like us, you know, but you got to remember back in, you know, go back in the day, uh, you know, horse racing, and it was like horse racing, baseball, and boxing were the most popular sports in the country. And that's what people Jeez. bet on. And that's yeah. they, they, they really didn't want you hanging around and watching a game. They wanted you to make your bet and get out of there. But the horse racing is a whole different thing. You were betting. And by the way, none of these races were on TV at the time. We all had, they had the, the wire. And if you ever watched the movie, The Sting, it was uh, very similar to that. That's the way we were getting horse results. But still, you know, the way the horses work, you're sitting now with the form and, you know, you're just betting throughout the course of the day. So that that's the way those uh, those shops work. But the sports book didn't get into the casinos till I'm, I want to say 77, maybe 78, something like that. Uh, probably 77, I think. But uh, again, somebody can look that up. And I think uh, I'm, Roxy probably has that at his fingertips. But uh, yeah, right around there. So before then, the only time you could bet sports, this was by Nevada regulation, was in a standalone uh, shop. Wow. Uh, we won't bore people with the details, but a lot of it had to do with uh, uh, prohibitive taxes on sports. And then that got changed from 10 percent yeah. to 2 percent. People don't even know that a tax exists today that makes it uh, a good deal for casinos to uh, have sports books. Fascinating history. More adventures in bad book baking. <laughs> and there's so many of them. Harris has its own wing. We'll get into some of that. Yes, it does. On a numbers game at VEASAN right here with Chris Andrews. Um, exclusively on a numbers game, Visa, the sports betting network story time, part three, right here at Visa. Welcome back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Back on a numbers game, as the man said, thank you, Ron Flatter. It is Gil Alexander from San Francisco, our satellite office in San Francisco, California. Uh, Chrissy Andrews joining us once again. The name of the book, Then One Day, 40 Years in Bookmaking in Nevada. And the reason it's called Then One Day is because when Chrissy would originally tell these stories on Storytime during Guessing Lines on the Beating the Book podcast, 
inevitably, invariably, uh, every one of these stories would turn by Chrissy somewhere in the middle, giving some preamble and then saying, <laughs> one day, uh, and everything's changed. <laughs> Uh, today we're talking about bad bookmaking. Uh, we were talking off air about what this one is, and then you said a couple of things, and I'm like, I, I don't even, I can't even decipher what that is. So you can go ahead and tell this real quickie. Okay, this is uh, Roxy was coming to Reno quite a bit, and uh, you know he and I were were running buddies, and uh, a lot of times he'd come to Reno. <laughs> I make fun of him. I said, he used to be so broke he'd have to sleep on my couch. Eh, let's just say. Rock, Rocky's couch sleeping days are long gone, you know, but uh, that was us. <laughs> we were just okay. trying to hustle. Uh, yeah, he's been all right for himself. Uh, but we would leave in the morning and, you know, try to get up to Lake Tahoe to make the first race in New York. And a lot of times, you know, we're, you know, typical guys. We just, you know, we were late. And uh, so we would stop at Artichoke Joe's, which is this little place in uh, Carson City, along the way up up to Lake Tahoe. So we'd stop in at at Artichoke Joe's, and we'd make our bets for like the first in New York, and then we'd you know hustle on up to the lake and uh, you know finish our our daily business, whatever we were going to do. Well, when we were going there, this is uh, again, this is back in the early '80s, probably like '80. 182, uh, maybe a little later, maybe up to 83 or so. And guys that were around at that time know that call or uh, uh, NBA totals were moving like crazy. I mean, uh, and mm. not only moving like crazy, they were winning at an unbelievable clip. To say 60% is way undercutting what they were winning. It had to be closer to like 70%. I mean, it was, it was like money in your pocket every day. These things were moving. Anyway, we'd stop at Artichokes, and Artichoke had what he called the coconut line. And <laughs> what it was, a total, like let's say the total was 210. Coconut. You had to bet. But I'll explain what that means in a second. So let's say the number was 210. So at Artichokes, you had to bet over 214 or under 206. Oh, man. So you had an eight-point middle, and you're laying 11 to 10 both ways. And he, and that's what he said. You had to be coconuts to be betting into this number. You know, so. <laughs> now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So now it makes perfect sense. So artichoke and coconuts. I don't know if that goes together, but it sure went together good for me and Roxy. Uh, so we went down the coconut line. Now, like I said, some of these games would move seven, eight, ten points. So even though you were taking four points, kind of the worst right. bit off the opening number. It was still, I mean, puts four points, it's two buckets, you know. So we were, so we break down the artichoke line, and then on our way home, we had games that were moving eight, ten points. Well, it was still worth it for us to go into artichokes and bet into the coconut line. And he'd look at us, oh, you guys are crazy. You guys know what you're doing? Oh, man, you know, he's just thinking, look at these two uh, bums come in here and bet this. You know, we would bet it, and... Uh, you know, obviously cut our percentage down a little bit, but not that much. We we still, I mean, that was another gravy train that we had going for us. And we were up in the lake and had to be, be uh, you know, running back home, running back down down a hill to get the artichokes by post time to bet into these uh, numbers that we knew weren't going to move all day. He didn't move the number. He just felt like, no, but I got an eight-point middle working for me, plus the juice. I'll just go with that, which I'd say in this day and age would probably be pretty good. But in that day and age, wasn't all that good if you knew what you were doing. And me and Roxy took pretty good advantage of it. it was, that was a lot of fun. 
Jeez. And, and how quickly did it take you to realize, like when you first saw that line, you must've been like, Oh my God, this is terrible. But then you quickly figured out, Oh, he, he never, he never does anything with it. We could still get the best of this number, even because of the, of the manner in which it moves all day long, even though he thinks he's, he's killing people with this. Yeah. Well, it didn't take us long, believe me. It took us uh, maybe one or two trips to artichokes when we realized he doesn't move the number. The number just sits there all day. And I, mean, I think he would even tell you that. He'd tell you that himself. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to move the number. And the artichokes was kind of placed, like I said, we bet the first race in New York or whatever. And, you know, when we'd, we'd go like the next day or next, next week to cash our ticket, he didn't ring up your ticket and says, okay, pays, you know, you know yeah. $200. He has the okay. $200 in an envelope in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Artichoke Joe's and the coconut line. I don't even remember that story. That's how That's how many of these there are. Yeah. Uh, Adventures in Bad yeah, Bookmaking coming back on a numbers game at VEASAN, the sports betting network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game. Once again, right here on Visa, the biggest stats and information network, Sirius XM channel 204, Visa.com, the Visa app. Fubo Slinging Game Plus is Gil Alexander from San Francisco. Chris Andrews, the author, of course, of Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada, with story time, telling some of the uh, stories from days gone by, specifically what we used to call adventures in bad bookmaking, which, again, those of us who weren't <laughs> around, we can only dream of what that must have been like. Uh, but you were smart enough to take advantage of it. I mean, it wasn't like everybody figured out these things, and you have another example of that. No, it, it was it was a hell of a gravy train, right? Then I got to tell you. So here's another one. You know, so back in the day, uh, kids pay attention. We didn't have cell phones or even beepers, nothing like that. So what? Uh, I was running for my Uncle Jack. Yeah, I know. So I was running for my Uncle Jack. So he, I stopped by like on a Sunday morning, let's say. And, you know, he'd give me like uh, he gave me quite a bit of money, and he'd say, "Okay, here's what I'm looking for," and he'd give me a list. He says, "Don't bother calling me." If you see these numbers, just go bet them and then call me later. Tell me what I got. He said, okay. And I take like whatever, uh, you know, whatever they take, whatever the limit is, you could bet. It. Okay. So uh, this one day, then one day I go, I'm on my journeys. I go to stand, I go to Samtown. Now on my list that, that, that day. And I think it was the, I think it was the Monday night game. I'm not sure if we had Sunday night football then or not. I don't think we did. Uh, anyway, it's, Chargers are playing the Raiders. So he gave me Raiders minus two and a half or the Chargers plus four. So obviously the number was pretty much Ooh. three painted on everywhere. Wow. So I walk in, they got the Raiders minus two and a half. So I run up to the counter and they, you know, stand in line, everything else Sunday morning. And I say, give me the Chargers minus two and a half for 5,000. Okay. Guy writes the ticket. This guy, I kind of knew a little bit. So I, I, I get, you know, I, I go and look, they don't change the number. I go and call my uncle Jack. I said, well, I, you know, I got you the chargers or the Raiders minus a two and a half or 5,000. He says, well, they move it. He says, no, well, go bet them again. So I go to the same guy. I go to the same guy. I go up to the front. I said, you know, I only bet you chargers minus the Raiders, Raiders minus two and a half or 5,000. You didn't move it. I'm going to bet it again. He says, Hey, they didn't move it. You're entitled to bet it again. I bet it again. I'm sitting there. They don't move it. They don't move it. They don't move it. I call my Uncle Jack back. He says, did they move it? I said, no. He says, well, go bet him again. So I get back in line. Again, go to the same guy. 
laid the two and a half for five thousand. You know, and I tell him, I said, if you're not going to move it, I'm just going to keep betting. He's well, he'll probably move it now, but they haven't moved it, so you're not doing anything wrong. You're fine. Okay. So I go and I look back, and uh, about a minute later, they they did move it. Not the three, not even the three and a half. They move it to four. <laughs> so I call my Uncle Jack back. I said, yeah, they finally moved it. He says, and he could tell by my voice. He says, what'd they do? Did they move it to three and a half? I said, no. They moved it to four. You're kidding. <laughs> no. He says, well, go take the four. <laughs> I said, okay. What are you calling I me for? I, I bet it. Yeah, I, I run up. I, I just wanted to make sure, you know. So I run up. I take the four again, like in the same window, same guy. You know, I take the four for five thousand. <laughs> and I call my uncle Jack. I said, "Yeah, because now I'm good. Go on to the next stop. I'm I'm right where I want to be on that game." <laughs> okay. And like I said in the book, do I even have to tell you the final? Yeah, Raiders of course. Twenty-four, Chargers yeah. twenty-one. <laughs> And later on, I had one of those guys working for me, and and he told me about that game in particular. You know, uh, the guy was like just a ticket writer at Samsung at the time, and like the boss uh, called him back and says, "Hey, I want you guys to look at this game. This is how you book a game. This is how you book a game." He showed they had like you know a ton of action on both sides. You, yeah, we can't lose. We got a ton of action on both sides. Everything's perfect. And my guy tells him. Not if the not if the Raiders win by three. Because what are you talking about? Well, if the Raiders win by three, it ain't going to be so good. And he puts in like the what if score, and oh my god, they were going to lose a fortune. Because <laughs> I wasn't the only guy betting. You know? <laughs> and, and naturally, that's exactly what he gained. Twenty four, twenty worse. Of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> Three, of course, being the uh, the most common uh, result in an NFL game or landing on a margin of three. But so, again, with all of these, I'm curious, when did you realize, like, how, how do you remember the preamble? Do you remember the talk before we were like, hey, like, when this guy moves something, he doesn't just move it like that. He moves it massively. Like, do you remember that conversation? Like, how was that figured out? Not at all. Not at all, because in my early days, when I first moved to Las Vegas, and now this, I didn't even put this in the book, but I swear to God, this is true. So I first moved to Las Vegas. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hustling around. I, you know, I'm broke. I don't have any money. You know, so I, I run up to Samstown for the Monday night game, and it's like about 2 or 3 in the afternoon. And I didn't put this in the book. I absolutely should have. I put it, I go up to Samstown with my mother. I was staying with my mother. She lived kind of towards that that side of town. Run up to Samstown. It's like two, two or three in the afternoon. I walk in. I go to bed the Monday night game. have a number I like on the board. And I go to bed at, but Gil, like, I think I was betting 44 to win 40. That was my <laughs> unit at the time. <laughs> and, they, and he comes around. This guy, this guy, the boss, he comes around. No, no, no. We're not taking any more action on that game. We're booked perfectly. We're not taking any more action. I said, booked perfectly. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're booked perfectly. I don't want to take any more action on, the, on that game. We're fine. Okay. <laughs> Boy, this is but this is the way the the business was back then. You had some real some guys. How much time do we have left? Because I got another story with the same guy. Uh, we got we, ninety seconds left, so we may want to wait for this okay. one. Okay. Uh, you know, he was explaining to me the horses one time to figure out the extension. He says, well, if a horse pays like, you know, $12, 
you know, when you take a bet, you know, you have to, you know, it's this times two, it's a two dollar wager, subtract the two, and you know, that's how you figure your extension. I said, well, why don't you take the bet amount times the odds times five? And he looked at me like I just taught him how to split the atom. I swear to God, he was like stunned. <laughs> that, oh, this is the way you figure that out. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, he was not the, the the brightest bulb. What year again was this? All just for context. Uh, you know, seventy nine, eighty. Seventy nine, eighty. Wow, man, a different yeah. a different era. Yeah. Uh, can you can you tell the uh, the hard to explain Super Bowl parlay story next? Can you do that for us? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. 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 This one will require a little That's bit of explanation, one. I believe. Uh, but Super Bowl yeah, Parlance Adventures in Bad Bookmaking uh, coming up. Again, the name of the book, uh, Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada. It is our uh, friend, Chris Andrews, who runs the South Point Hotel Casino Sportsbook. That book available everywhere, including, of course, at Amazon. Uh, check that out. More stories coming up. Bad Bookmaking. Love that. Right here on the Numbers Game at Visa. With Gil Alexander. It is Gil Alexander, and it is Chris Andrews, kind enough to spend another couple hours with us uh, this morning. Part three of Story Time, the cold version, the back to back to back to back version of Story Time. Uh, Chrissy, this one requires a bit of an explanation, but uh, we're, we're all ears. Let's hear it. Super Bowl parlays, I believe, is what you call them. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what year this was, but the, you know, whatever Super Bowl was, the number was right around Pickham. And I think the total was 48. So I'm not positive what year this was, but uh, it's, it's kind of a, kind of a legendary story up in Northern Nevada. So this was Harris up at the lake. Now the, between the lake and Reno and the downtown Reno, you know, they ran their books completely independent of one another. Uh, so what, what you found at one would not necessarily be what you found at the other one. Anyway, so up at the lake, they put out a parlay card for the Super Bowl. And on it, so it was every every quarter was like pick them on this parlay card. So there was no, no advantage there. I mean, a slight, but not really much. But they had the totals on every quarter on both halves and for the game. So I'm not sure exactly what the totals were, but I'm pretty sure I know close. So the first quarter total was 10. Second quarter total was 14. Third quarter total was 10. Fourth quarter total was 14. First half total was 24. Second half total was 24. And the game total was 48. Now, all those numbers individually are the right numbers. And that they put out that card like that, and they thought, well, you know, we got the right numbers on the parlay card. We're fine. Now, after about a day or so, after they put the card out, they start getting, like, just an inordinate amount of play on the card. And it just kept streaming in, streaming in, streaming in, and finally somebody up there figured it out. If I bet over 10 the first quarter and I bet over 10, over 14 the second quarter, and I bet over 24 for the half, the first quarter comes over 10 and the second quarter comes over 14, then that half is definitely going to come over 24. Mm -hmm. 
you know, conversely, you bet the other way. If you go under 10 the first, under 14 in the second, the first half is going to go under 24. Right. So what you were doing, and that, that's about the lowest denominator, you could bet a two-teamer, essentially, and get paid for a three-teamer. So a two-teamer pays, what, 13 to 5? And a three-teamer yes. pays 6 to 1. So that was a hell of a bargain. Now, it doesn't mean you have to win. First, first quarter could go over, second quarter could go under, and then you're going to blow the parlay because it all has to line up. But you could do it for the game, too. First half goes over 24. Second half goes over 24. The game's going to be over 48. Again, conversely, the other way. You bet under 24 for the first half, under 24 for the second half. The game is going to be under 48. And they were taking just so much money on this and really had no idea what they were doing. They didn't realize what was going on because they were looking at each number individually. And each number individually, like I said, was pretty pretty much the right number within maybe half a point or something like that. Each quarter maybe number. Some juice involved. Yeah. Each quarter number, both halves numbers, yeah. and the game total number. They were all solid numbers. Right. So guys, I just gave you an example of a three-teamer, but guys were betting like, you know, up to a six-teamer. You bet first quarter over, second quarter over, third quarter over, fourth quarter over, game over. You know what? That's a five team. You know, but I mean, no, but oh, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. They throw in the halves too. You know, first quarter over, second quarter over, half over. Yeah, so you could bet up to like an eight teamer, I guess. Is that right? Or a six teamer? Whatever it is. They were putting together every and combination you could figure yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. seven teamer. <laughs> So I mean, and this, and just to then, be clear, I, and just you know, to be clear, this didn't have to be a Super Bowl. This could have been any game, and it would have been a terrible bet to offer. And, yeah, it, it would have been a terrible bet under any circumstances. That's this right. Happened to be the Super Bowl, so they were under like the false. Um, oh, what's the word? I mean, you know, like they they thought everything was fine. There's a word I'm looking for. I can't think of it right yeah. now. Uh, yeah. They were under the false impression that everything was just hunky dory. They were just they they hit on this thing that was going to create so much action, and it was just so popular. They really struck gold with this thing, and we're doing so much business. And finally, somebody <laughs> somebody figured it out. And I remember the the guy, a guy who I I, I hope he's still alive. He's a very good writer. Uh, wrote for the Reno Gazette Journal, Steve Stedden. And, you know, Steve and I had a pretty good relationship. And I remember Steve called me, he says, you know, he didn't understand. And it's one of those things where, like, if you're not kind of in the business like we are, you could look at it, and it's not it's not the easiest thing to understand. Unless, you know, probably most of our listeners, I would say, probably understand what I'm talking about. But, like, you know, Steve was a writer. You know, he wasn't really a better or anything like that. And he had me explain to him. And then, it, and again, it was like, it was like I explained to him how to split the atom. Like, I was like, oh, my God. He goes, are you kidding me? They didn't. And I, I, he says, do you mind if I write that? I said, Steve, I don't mind if you write it. Don't use my name. You know, just, you know, you talk to, you know, whoever, however you want to identify me is fine. But don't use my name and don't tell them, you know, what position I'm in at the time. And it's, it's, don't yeah. you know, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I think in the, the line I put in the book was, uh, the old saying is God looks after drunks and fools. And I would never accuse the Harris people of being drunks. <laughs> 
and and you know it split out it split out perfectly you know like first quarter went over second quarter went under so they blew that you know like first half i'm just making this up but i know it split up first half went over second half went under and you know quarters nothing really aligned you know nothing really came in so all these guys you had way 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 the best of it and like i said if you gave guys like that uh that kind of uh uh, that kind of bargain. That, you know, I mean, just you know, the, the the monetary value of something like that is astronomical, and especially they were taking big action. It being uh, the Super Bowl, and they they got they they got lucky, and things did not correlate. And they they wound up pulling the card once once they figured out what was going on. They wound up taking the card off. But you know, the other and it's kind of weird the way the lake was at the time up in Lake Tahoe. And again, this is a very different, you know, the whole industry is so much different, but there was like a pretty good wise guy community up at the lake. And a lot of them were, you know, kind of making a living off sports betting, um, you know, back in the day, you know, uh, you know, you get, like I said, you'll go over some of these stories here and see, it was not a very well run operation in the book, the adventures in bad bookmaking Harris themselves have the whole chapter to themselves because of some <laughs> of the stupid things that they did. This was way up there. And like I said, they, they skated on this one. They, they, they danced around all the numbers and I, and next year, obviously they didn't have it, but I talked to one of the guys that was in there and uh, you know, the, the, the powers that be, you know, the board of directors, the bosses said, Oh my God, you guys did a great job. This, this is beautiful. Oh, we're oh, going to do yeah. it again next year. Right. And they got, no, yeah. no, you yeah. know, no. uh, <laughs> you know, we decided, no, and they didn't want to fess up to how stupid they were. They were trying to tell, right. tell the bosses how bright they were, how brilliant they were. So, well, so well, that let was me, the one chance we had here. at that sort of thing. Yeah. Chris, cause as you're telling this story, uh, I did a little, uh, just a little Googling. Could this have been uh, the Super Bowl in January of 1982? So after the 1981 season, because that was the first Niners Bengals Super Bowl in Pontiac, Michigan, where the total was 48. And I believe the Niners were favored by one. Could that have been it? Sounds like your numbers. It sounds like it. I think actually, um, yeah, that that very well could be it. And I think the Niners were. And by the way, I took Michael Jack when he came up to visit me. We went up to the uh, to the lake while he was there, and the Niners were pretty much won everywhere. Is that what you're yeah. googling right there? Well, that was that was yeah. the closing uh, anyway. Yeah, that was a close. Yeah, and again, these everybody got it. Well, you know, they we got this discussion yesterday talking about certain numbers in NCAA uh, championship games. These numbers are not. There's not a union. You know, there's not, a, there's not one right. number. But I remember taking Michael Jack. We we took a ride up to the lake, and uh, you know that they didn't know him or anything like that. They put him on for a hundred thousand on the wow. Bengals plus four, plus four on a game that was one. And of course, he didn't cash. <laughs> the Niners beat him. You know, but Niners, you know, Niners once beat again, him by five. By the way, they won by five. So Niners barely, beat him by five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Four. Yeah, one of those. But uh, But, but, I would say, yeah, they probably were thinking we are the smartest bookmakers in the world here. You know, after between that parlay card, put my uncle on for a hundred thousand. But uh, (laughs) but, here's uh, here's how this broke down. That was probably the game. If it were in fact, if it was in fact that game, uh, the first quarter was nine or seven nothing. 
The Niners then outscored the Bengals 13 to nothing in the second quarter for those who remember that game. So it was 20 to nothing at halftime. The Bengals outscored the Niners 7 to nothing in the third quarter, but here was the here's probably what saved Harris if it was in fact this game. Fourth quarter, Cincinnati 14, Niners 6. So that would have completely destroyed yeah. any correlated if, if you know anything correlated people had included the fourth quarter. But yeah, so what was, what was the line? God protects drunk drugs and fools. And I would never accuse Harris of being drunks. It's great. Just one of the great lines. By yeah. the way, that's the under. I'm not sure that's the game, but it might be. It's right. That's that, yeah. It might be that, you know, uh, yeah. you know, it's right there. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm not, I couldn't swear to that to with that being that game, but that is what happened. And they got lucky. They skated, and uh, I'm sure they were thinking that they were the sharpest bookmakers in the world. They, no, I think they sold themselves to their bosses that they were the sharpest, but they knew that they screwed up. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to do this next year. We we thought about it. We're just not going to do it to their bosses. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back, more yeah. adventures and bad bookmaking with the great Chrissy Andrews, right here on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting network. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Hour number two of a numbers game right here at Visa the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Sorry to step on Charles Barkley. It's Gil Alexander from San Francisco, California. Quarantining. Hope you're quarantining with your loved ones. Hope it's all going well for you. Uh, hope everyone's staying safe. We're trying to uh, just give you some great stories from days gone by as told by one of the great storytellers. I think this is the underrated part about you, Chrissy, if I may just roast you for a second, not really a roast, but pay tribute to you, Um, because a lot of people have good stories. A lot of people don't necessarily know how to tell those stories in an entertaining way. That is your gift, sir. That is your talent. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. A, you know, sometimes you need to work on it. Some guys are natural. I think I had to work on it a little bit. You, you darn good at it. And we look forward to whatever it is, whatever else you're going to uh, produce book wise uh, in the future. This is about then one day, 40 years of bookmaking in Nevada, which is available in all bookstores. And of course, all from the old story time segments uh, that we used to tell on the uh, beating the book podcast that Chrissy used to come on and tell after we would guess the lines and then to sort of wrap it up, Chrissy would tell a story. Um, this, of course, is about adventures in bad bookmaking. You were up in Lake Tahoe. You wanted to stay at Lake Tahoe for the next one. Yeah, this was really my first foray into understanding just how screwed up Harris was, particularly up at the lake. <laughs> I shouldn't just pick on them. The other, the other, the, the Reno side was pretty bad too. But uh, anyway, you know, Harris really back in those days. So this is like '81 really promoted themselves as being like in the papers that came out throughout the country because they had very good connections with the media that Harris Reno Tahoe opened the NFL line. I remember like thinking, I always thought Bob Martin opened the line. Was my uncle Jack lying to me about this stuff? What, you know, I remember asking Jack one day about that. He looked, are you out of your mind? Nobody cares why Harris opened the line. Bob opens the line. Harris just gets their names in the paper. Oh, okay. I thought, yeah, they, they certainly thought of themselves as uh, big shots. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I go up, you know, and uh, I was living in Reno. So Jack made sure I had some money with me. 
And, uh, you know, I told him, well, I'm going to take a drive up to Lake Tahoe, just, you know, kind of get the landscape and that sort of thing. Okay, he says, call me when you get up there, give me the line. So I call him. So it's a Tuesday. So we got to, you know, the line opens, you know, one you know, Sunday night or Monday for most books. And by Tuesday, there's not really that much movement. It's really pretty, pretty solid line. <clears throat> so I go into Harris, I write down the line, and I call him up. He says, yeah, he goes, I really don't see anything. But anyway, when I first went in there, you know, as I'm writing down the line, I go up to the guy. And as far as I know, that guy was still there up until like even last year or so. I go there. I ask him. I said, well, what do you, what do you take in the football? And he looks at me and goes, 50,000. Okay. You know, so I call him Uncle Jack. I give him the numbers. He says, yeah. And I remember the game. It was Baylor. And he was taking, you know, they were like a, like a 13 point dog everywhere. And they had 14 and a half. And, uh, and I, you know, some reason he says, really, the guy, you know, you could take 14 and a half on Baylor. He says, yeah. He says, well, go bet on Baylor. He says, I, you know, he says, I don't, I don't need 50,000, but I'll take 20. You know, give, give me 20,000 on Baylor. Okay. So I go into the bathroom, you know, go into a stall. But I have money like in my, you know, I'm wearing a sport coat. I got money in my pockets. I was wearing at the time I'd wear two pair of pants, like shorts under my jeans, you know, and in my shorts, I had money in my jeans. You know, just I figured if I got robbed and I hand them one, you know, $5,000 bundle, I mean, they're going to be happy as can be. And then I, you know, I get to, you know, I, I, I need to lose all the rest, you know. So I got, so anyway, yeah, I got the, my uh, money. The and shorts I, I, under the long pants, Chris, always a good look. Strategic though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. It's wanted. a real babe magnet. Let me tell you. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, they were right. calling all over just, just pull a bit that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, I, you know, I, I count out 22,000 and I uh, you know, stick it in my jacket pocket. And I, so, you know, I go up to the counter and, you know, I tell the guy, you know, whatever you know, number it is, give me, you know, number, you know, one Oh three Baylor. Chris, one second here, just uh, to identify ourselves here. Was it's Gil Alexander, Chrissy Andrews. It's a numbers game right here at Vicent. Go ahead. So I go up to the counter and I think, you know, give me a uh, you know, 103 Baylor uh, plus a 14 and a half for, for 22,000 guy comes running out. The same guy just told me, he said, Whoa, Whoa, what are you doing? What? I, I, I said, well, I'm making a bet. He said, Oh, we don't take that kind of money. What are you talking about? I, said, I just asked you five minutes ago what you take. You told me you take 50,000. I'm only betting you 20. I, I, I just didn't know you were going to bet that much. I said, well, why don't you just give me an answer? What do you think? He said, I'll take 2,000. I said, you know, you told me 50. I'm betting you, you know, 20. So that's 40% of what you just told me. And you're taking only 10% of that. He said, well, you know, you want it or not, it's 2,000. If you don't want to bet it, don't bet it. But it's 2,000. That's what you bet. And I said, you know, you're making me look like a fool here because I said I got twenty two thousand sitting on the counter, and uh, you know the room's full of people, and uh, they see me pull out this money. I wouldn't have pulled out this kind of money if I didn't think you were going to take the bet. And he told me you would take fifty thousand. Now you're only taking two. He says, listen, I'm only taking two. Do you want an escort to your car? I said, no, I don't want an escort to my car. <laughs> I just want you to take the bet that you told me five minutes ago that you would take. That's what I want. Is well. I'm not taking that. I didn't know you wanted to bet that much. Well, why, why did you give me that answer? You know, I mean, I didn't, you know, <laughs> I said, I it certainly wasn't a babe magnet or anything like that, you know, but I was dressed in a sport coat and, you know, those are, you know, 
I showered that morning, whatever. <laughs> I didn't exactly look like a bum, you know. I said, just tell me what you want to what you wanted to take. I said, yeah, two thousand's a fine bet, but don't. But two thousand's not fine when you told me you would take fifty. Well, you know, and like I said, I'd go up there periodically, and even the last time I was up there, that guy's still running the joint. So that's you know that's the way Harris does things. Is and, that right? Uh, I always said wow. he found the perfect place. He found the fir- perfect place to have a career in this industry because, uh, you know, last I looked, and I don't know what the status was, but when I wrote the book, I think they were $22 billion in the minus column and, you know, declaring bankruptcy and everything else. And, I mean, this was at one time one of the great, great companies in Nevada and really throughout the world. And uh, they just, it was, you know, mismanaged. And, uh, you know, I don't know that much about the entire industry that I can even comment on, but I do know how badly they mismanaged the sports book. And I would imagine that they mismanaged quite a few other things uh, throughout the company. But, uh, yeah, they yeah. were in, uh, you know, and they, they in Caesars and, uh, you know, and I, I you yeah. know, the Eldorado wound up buying a, you know, big chunk of Caesars. And those, those are my friends. I know the Toronto family fairly well. So I hope they do well because I like the Corrado family. I really do. But, but you uh, know, of all the stories boy, you Harris tell, Chris, uh, yeah, of all the stories you tell, that one is the most relatable to betters today yeah. who – I don't know about post-legalization right. and, and, and all the stories, and I don't even know if, if, if companies post-legalization even claim – some of the European companies that have come into the country claim to take those kinds of bets. But at least pre-legalization in the state of Nevada, accepting – you know, not 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 the South Point, not the Westgate, but I'm talking about the CG technologies of the world, the William Hills of the world. There have been numerous occasions um, where, and I've talked about them on a numbers game. Other people have talked about their experiences where the claim is. And remember, when CG came in to Las Vegas at the time, they were yeah. they were Canter Gaming. They had the claims, oh, we're going to take anything, anything you want. You come in, you take the bet, and then you realize that it was all a bunch of nonsense. That that wasn't the case at all. Um, and there's, you know, yeah. I I told the story about Major League Baseball season win totals from a few years back. Oh yeah, we're doing all this stuff, and they took, you know, a nickel. And made me feel bad. You and and now you can't bet anymore. We'll take a nickel on two of these, and then don't come back here. So I mean, that of all the stories you tell, that's the one that rings the most true. I think for modern day betters, so they're like, "Oh, this sounds familiar." So it's been going on forever, basically. Yeah, I'm sure you know when you get Krakenberger on your show, I'm sure he would tell stories you know, about this that happened you know a couple of weeks ago. They're very similar <laughs> to what this is, you know. But yeah. yeah, that was my first foray. But like I said at the time, you know, Harris painted themselves like they were the leaders of the industry, and that's what the the newspapers throughout the country had this profile of Harris that they were this fantastic bookmaking outfit that would take anything, and they were the biggest money you know, biggest money outfit in the world. And it was just so far from the truth. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, but that was it. So we have, we still have some more time before the break. Mike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, plenty of time, plenty of time. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, okay. So some of the other ones, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, uh, oh, I got one that I want to tell, but that's going to take more than just a few minutes, but you know, Harris, they just, they, they, you know, their future book was legendarily bad. So this was by the late eighties. <laughs> You know, when the 49ers were winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl, and, they, and believe me when I tell you, the, the Niners killed us during the 80s. Joe Montana, that team was just so great. I think I wrote that the you know, guys would 
uh, guys leaving the Bay Area, they say, okay, I'm going to bet like uh, a dime on the Niners, and I'm going to have a $200 parlay, Niners and over, and that'll pretty much pay for my trip, and then anything else I do is great. <laughs> and you know what? They cast an awful lot of those bets. You know, so uh, who, who killed so you more, you know, Chris? Think, Niners in the 80s or Patriots modern day? Oh, no, not even close. Not even close. Not really? Even, not even close. Wow. Okay. Not even close. Yeah. Not even in the same breath. Yeah. Not even close. They murdered wow. us, you know, because you got to remember where we were. You know, the San Francisco was just, you know, right down the road. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, that's right. Regional proximity. Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah, there's regional proximity. Plus, you know, the world was just a lot different back then. We didn't have, I mean, we had a pretty good wise guy group up in Reno, but, you know, the liquidity of the market, it just, you know, there's only X amount of money that could be in the market at any one time. And these guys were pouring in from the Bay Area, you know, pretty wealthy part of the country. And oh, yeah. like that, and why wouldn't they just keep betting them? They just bet it like crazy and win most of the time. <laughs> so we'd have wise guys playing back the other way. But, uh, you know, it wasn't enough to overcome the, the just, you know, the general public that was uh, – you know, on the 49ers and usually on the over and like I said, they usually cast, you know, but, uh, but don't cry too much for the bookmakers. You know, we wound up. Okay. But, uh, okay. Harris, I like won't. I said, they had the legendary, yeah, they had the legendary bad, uh, uh, future book. The one year I went in and I just looking at the future book. So now they had, you know, the Niners like to win the Super Bowl. I think they were like, honest to God, like even money or something like this before the season started. They're like even money or something like something ridiculous. And not only did they have them, they had them minus four and a half in the Super Bowl. Which Super Bowl? So the Niners won the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. And this would be like by then the late 80s when, you know, Joe was really. Oh, yeah. Joe was, I, I still, for my money, the greatest quarterback that ever played. Uh, I was just tearing it up. They were minus. They were even. This is before the season. Like I said, we weren't halfway through when they were tearing it up. <laughs> this is before the season. They were even money and minus four and a half in the Super Bowl. So if you're stupid <laughs> enough to take them at even money, and you had the last right. four and a half in the Super Bowl, so <laughs> that's just the way they were. But my favorite, my favorite <laughs> futures book story with Harris is the year A Rod left the Mariners and went to the Texas Rangers. Uh, there, a huge flood of money went in on the Rangers to win the World Series, win the pennant. Now, if you remember, the Mariners, you know, I think you told me they win 116 games that year without A-Rod. I think that's correct. Uh, it was the year 2000. They won 116 games. So 2000 or 2000, yeah. no, excuse me, 2001. Okay. The 2001 Mariners, 116 games. Okay, so the Rangers are in the same division. Mariners won 116 games. Whatever the Rangers did, I think they were right around 500 that year, whatever it was, probably less than that. So, so one point, the Rangers, and I swear to God, these numbers are true because I looked. They were 50 games, 50, 5-0, 50 games out of, first, out of the first place Mariners, behind the first place Mariners. They had the Rangers 3-1. to one to win the world series. They're 50 games out of first. <laughs> and I 
finally went in, I, you know, and I usually didn't, because I'm thinking, I'm not a paid consultant. I'm not going to tell them what to do. But this one was so ridiculous. I finally had to say something. I said, you guys, they're 50 games out of first place. I'm three to one. Well, we have a lot of money on You have a lot of money on them. So what? Are you kidding me? I said, three to one. I said, they're not three to one. Three, they're three million to one. To make the to win the World Series, are you guys out of your mind? I said, when was the last time you wrote a bet on them at three to one? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, uh, I, I, you guys are so ridiculous. This is such a joke, and they were they were the biggest joke. And how they ever got that sort of publicity uh, is it just shows you what the media can do for uh, listen, you know, if you listen, have the Chris, right connection. Because yeah. they did, they had good media connections. In in Hera's defense, the Rangers only finished forty three out, so you never know. They uh, made a run. They trimmed that lead. They made a run. Yeah, <laughs> that's end. right. Yeah. They made you, a run. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what were yeah. you, you? I don't know if you wanted to tell this here, but did you want to tell the the coin flip thing? Because I think that just gives an indication. It's sort of a good segue from what you just talked about of just how people are willing to bet anything. Period. Yeah, that was one that's, uh, you know, and I, I had this as a separate section, but you know, my editor put it in as bad bookmaking. And, uh, I guess now that I look back, it really does belong there. But guys, for years during the Super Bowl, they would ask me, uh, can we bet the coin flip? Can we bet the coin flip? And I would say, no. Why would you bet me the coin flip? That's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. Is that the absolute definition of a <laughs> random outcome? Why would you go bet your buddy, go take a quarter out of your pocket and flip it and, uh, you know, heads, one guy wins, tails, the other guy wins. Why? I said, you know, if I start booking, I'm not going to book it at even money. I'm going to make you pay juice. Oh, no, yeah, we want to bet the coin flip. So finally, after a couple of years, I relented. I said, okay, if people are that stupid to bet the coin flip, and Calneva, and even at the South Point, we always pride ourselves. We have the tightest straddles on any lines. I'd want to give the biggest break to the betters we can. But I figure if you're that stupid to bet the coin flip, I'm going to use a 40-cent line. Minus 20 on heads, minus 20 on tails. And if people are that stupid to bet it, let them bet it. Well, don't you know, I did so much business on that oh, thing. Man. like, and I remember one guy even betting me five thousand, and of course he won. But I even have to tell you, I think he was five thousand on heads. And I remember the one guy working with. Should I move it? No, <laughs> no, don't move it. Are you out of your mind? Should, should I move it? <laughs> That's awesome. Should I move it? No. Jeez, you know, my God. Uh, yeah. So. Anyway, uh, obviously after that, I started booking a coin flip, but I think I used like minus, I, I don't know. I might've started at minus 105 each way. Minus, I think last yeah. year at the at the South Pole, we used minus 102 each way, something like that. You know? But I mean, that to me showed, and I think I quote H.L. Mencken, that you never go broke underestimating the, uh, I can't quote him exactly, under you know, the, <laughs> Oh, uh, the something of the American public. It's not a complimentary term. Yeah, no, I it's not. That. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it, it leaps to mind. And this has yeah, nothing to do with Underestimating the intelligence. Yes, of the of the American public, was it at the time, I believe? Uh, right. yes. This has yes. nothing to do with your stories, but this just sort of jogs in my head now. I mentioned last week, I think I mentioned it to Rufus, I may have mentioned it to you also, Bookmaker Offshore 
Uh, and this is not poker. This doesn't include poker. This doesn't include other sites like Chris. I'm just talking about the bookmaker site on non-poker. So we're talking table tennis and, you know, esports and random stuff, random soccer from corners of the earth, random horse racing. I mean, the most obscure things. And I mentioned last week, I said, I misspoke last week. I said they were doing 125,000. This is, this is two Saturdays ago. So nine days ago, they did, I was wrong. They did $250,000 in handle on all of those random sports on the one day on that website, not including poker. So if you, if you think about like people will bet like newsflash breaking news here, spoiler alert on the show, people given a chance to bet will bet on anything. This weekend now, this past weekend, Chrissy, just to sort of play on the uh, the coin flip thing, they were running uh, simulations of Madden football games. So we're talking about Madden <clears throat> NFL that we all grew up on. They were running simulations. They would just give a Twitch account to people, uh, you know, to log in, and they would run these simulations of games. Do you know how much they were doing on, on each one of those games that they ran on average? in handle, 30,000 in handle, which, you know, isn't a lot of money in the world of football, but on fake football, you know, just 30,000. So people people are just betting. I mean, if you don't, if you think that the world has stopped betting, it's just not it. And and that, you know, the, oh no, these books are going to fit, you know, reports of their demise are premature. Let's put it that way. Um, I don't know what it was about your coin flip that made me think about these things, but it's just that people will bet on anything. It's incredible. It is incredible. I talked to Nick Bogdanovich, and uh, I, I don't. I'm not going to repeat the numbers, you know. And uh, but they're betting pretty strong on uh, Russian and Ukrainian ping pong. <laughs> You know, so ping pong, you know, and I asked, I said, is this from America? He says, yeah, yeah, this is the you know, America's. That I mean, come on, really? Holy cow! Yeah, uh, people are betting. Man, what a ten, world! Ten what a world! Player. What a world we live in. Ten player ping pong parlays. I think they had a fifty dollar ping pong parlay uh, <laughs> where someone bet all the favorites that cashed for almost ten k. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean those those Harris stories are legendary, and again, they all appear in the book. Uh, then one day, forty years of bookmaking in Nevada. It's told by Chrissy Andrews, of course. We actually got to sit down and write it, so it was obviously not in audio form, but he actually got to do it at a different medium. There are pictures. We're running some of those on the screen at Veasan.com and the Veasan app. Uh, there's a picture of you with the late great, uh, your late great uncle Jack, uh, that's prominently featured in the montages that we're showing. But like Roxy, pictures of Roxy looking like he's in Bachman Turner Overdrive. Uh, in the middle of the book, obviously <laughs> pictures of you, full beard uh, and mustache in your younger days. Uh, it's a great book, and I hope folks pick it up at Amazon and wherever books are sold. We got more stories coming up, and yes, we may even have Chris's famous horse racing story, maybe uh, here by the end of the show. More adventures in bad bookmaking coming up. I believe we have some strike game stories, scab games on a numbers game at Visa on the way. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Back on A Numbers Game here at Visa, Gil Alexander in San Francisco. Chris Andrews uh, at his home in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's all brought to you by the BetMGM app. Uh, telling stories from back in the day, more adventures in bad bookmaking. Is this still the Harris edition, Chrissy? 
Yeah, we've got a few more hairs that we could throw out there. These are a little shorter, but uh, you know, one. Uh, I'm not sure what exact year this was in the '90s at some point, but they they always had their book in the you know main floor of the casino, and they were moving it downstairs. And uh, you know, we'd heard because a lot of the construction guys who were building it out. They would come over to Calneva afterwards and, you know, make their bets and, you know, have a beer or whatever. So a lot of us were telling, a lot of them were telling us, uh, it really looks good. They did a great job. It's beautiful bar in there with all sorts of uh, micro brews and imported beers and you know, they have a great snack bar and they really did a terrific job. It's just a, you know, well-designed, beautiful sports book. And, uh, and I don't know why they abandoned that. I mean, who knows? It's just another one of those uh, decisions a company like that would make. You know, but anyway, they had it there. And I remember they had like the opening day and, uh, you know, a big party, hors d'oeuvres, you know, free drinks, all that other stuff. The media's invited. It's not like they invited me, but I was going anyway. You know, so, uh, so there was like an escalator down into that portion of the casino. Like I said, it was like kind of like the basement, but they – you know, their their overall business time is going pretty good. So they wanted to make as much room on the casino floor as they could, and they made this downstairs. So you go down the escalator, and like I said, all we've been hearing was how beautiful it was, and it really was beautiful. But you go down the escalator, the banner across the sports book, my right hand to God, this is the truth, the banner across the sports book as you come in, not Welcome to Harris. Not welcome to our new sports book. Come and enjoy. Nothing like that. The banner. We reserve the right to refuse any wager. I mean, that's their, their grand opening. And they're welcome. Awesome. <laughs> what do you even say to that? That's great. Oh, this seems like a friendly place. Like. <laughs> Of course, you have the right thing. You mean if Warren Buffett comes in and he wants ten million on the Dodger game that I, you're not going to take that? You, what, what kind of joint is this? That that's the thing they have across the top. We reserve the right to refuse any wager. Uh, just this shows the management of that. But like I said, that didn't last long. After a few days, finally somebody says, "No, you got to take that thing down. That's just ridiculous." You know, it's they, where where was that again uh, specific? Where was that, Chris? That was in Harris Reno. Uh, Harris, like I said, you know. they they'd had their yeah. yeah they had their sports book on the main floor for many years, and they, and their business was going pretty good at the time, and they wanted to create more casino space on the main floor, so they moved that downstairs. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one more quick Harris story. I know we don't have a lot of uh, a lot of time, but they'd come in every day and copy the lines off of me at the Cal Nima. I mean, just they'd sit there right there. The guy have his hair and uniform on and. You know, write down exactly what I put on my board. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was every day. And we would laugh about it, you know. Anyway, this was, you know, in the 80s. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens at the time were the best team in hockey. And uh, and like I tell people today, you know, games were, we had ties back in the NHL at the time. So using a game a half, that was a very legitimate line because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, games that, that ended up in ties, so a half was a it was a real number. So anyway, you know, hockey betting still wasn't all that popular. We were putting them all up, and I remember 
So yeah, like we, we'd open up and I, you know, we'd had like a little flurry in the beginning and this and that, and, and usually taking about half an hour to get through that first little flurry. And then I'd go out with my chart and, and check the board and make sure the lines were all right. So I remember going out and I told my guys, I said, Hey, they, you know, you got the wrong line on the Canadians game. It's supposed to be minus one and a half minus a dollar 65. And that's a pretty big save minus one and a half minus one sixty five. I said, no, you got, but he had it a half 65, which even then is pretty decent size favorite. I said, oh, and he says, oh, oh, yeah, I screwed up because I wrote it down, right? I guess, but I just put it down on the board wrong. It was okay. Because, yeah, we had, you know, our boards were kind of weird. So, anyway, he runs up, makes it win. So, anyway, now it's about maybe 11 or so. And, you know, the, 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 the busy part of the morning's over. So, I'm going to go over Harris just to, see what they got, maybe make a bet or two, you know, so I walk in and the guy, I can still remember, I don't want to say his name, but he looked at me like with this venomous look in his eye and he runs up to like, he's got the, the Canadians line up and he erases it real fast and like looks at me like you scumbag. Hold on. Hold on. Hold the rest of this. We'll get back to it on a numbers game at Visa. It's story time with Chris Andrews. Welcome back to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. You were so rudely interrupted uh, at the end of this last story. So you go into the Harris, you go into the Harris and the guy's mad at you. Yeah, just, I could just, I could still see him just glaring at me like, oh, you know. I mean, I had no interest in betting the Canadians. I probably would if it was still a half, 65, I probably would have. But that wasn't my intention. I, and, I thought, and I just looked, I thought, what are you in there copying my lines for every day? Go get your own line service. You know, I'm getting them from my Uncle Jack and Roxy. I had to pay those guys. Here you go pay your guys, you know. <laughs> uh. So he copies your lines and is mad at you because you bet into yeah. his lines, basically, that were miscopied. So yeah, he copied it wrong, and obviously a lot of guys yeah. in town went in and, and bet him. You know, he thought like I was setting him up. You know, jeez, yeah. Thank uh, you. you know, I should I should have done it way more than I did, but I did. You know. All right, Chrissy. Nineteen eighty-seven. I actually uh, referenced this year yeah. with uh, Brent the other day when Brent was kind enough to come on the show. Uh, for those who don't remember, it was a, a year where the NFL went on strike, but the owners drew a hard line and they said, we're bringing in, we're bringing in scab teams. We're bringing in replacement players. And for three weeks, three weeks that counted, um, the national yeah. football league played on uh, mid season. And then teams started to cross the picket line. Uh, the Cowboys, Danny white played and Tony Dorsett played and Randy white, I think even, and then the Redskins did as a, as a group after the third week. So then the, the, the strike kind of ended at that point. But all those games counted in the standings. But you have a story about booking those games. What must that have been like? Well, there is, uh, you know, when again, you got to go back to 1987. There's no internet. You know, no uh, cell phones might have just been getting started at that time. You know, so there was the, the communication in the world was completely different. Guys today wouldn't understand that. But there was no nothing. You know, I mean, you had to go buy newspapers, and we had a UPI wire in our book. But but even that, it was just wasn't anywhere near the same thing. Anyway, so the scab games, you know, they're going to play scab games like, you know, this Sunday. Okay, so now 
uh, you, you know, we're going to want to take action on them, but we don't know what the hell we're doing, you know. So my one friend, and he's the guy that helped me design the pleaser card. Remember, he invented the pleaser. I invented the pleaser card, and he helped me design it. So guys, anybody listening to Reno know exactly who it is. I'm not going to mention his name because he's kind of disappeared, and I think he would prefer to remain anonymous. But I'd love to give him the credit if he ever wanted it. He was really one of my – a good guy and super, super sharp. Anyway, he came in and he comes running over to me, you know, because we were pretty good friends. We'd been to dinner and all that other stuff, you know. Chris, Chris, look at these bets I got. And he's showing me from Harrods. He got, you know, I'm just making this up, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Saints plus seven, the Seahawks plus four and a half, the, you know, the, the Packers plus eight, you know. And I'm looking and said, where the hell did you get these? Harris has these on the board right now. And I mean, Gil, I mean, there's, there's nothing I could say about this except they completely pulled it out of their butt. Completely. They just (laughs) made it up from deep inside. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And figured, Hey, we're Harris. We could do whatever we want. I mean, the rest of the world will follow us and copy us. Well, I run over. And they're taking like a dime a game. And I got, he gave me all his plays. And and I bet like every one of them, what's their, you know, back then, I don't know if it was 14 or 15 games, and it was 14. And I must 15. have made like 10 plays. Okay, I must yeah. have made like 10 or 11 plays, something like that. And and I go over and I, I call my friend Johnny Falensky, who was, uh, you know, really like a double sharp guy analyzing football, particularly players. Like he knew the value of a player. <laughs> it goes back to my USFL days. We murdered him mostly because of Johnny knew how to evaluate players and make a number. So I called Johnny up and I said, Johnny, if I gave you these games, these strike games, what do you make the number? He says, well, you can't make a number. Nobody knows who's playing. I said, okay, gun your head. <laughs> you have to make a number. He says, well, I, you know, I don't know. Home team too. I says, yeah, I would make the exact same thing. So I just read off like every bet that I had. And he says, you're kidding me. Where'd you get these? I says, well, Harris put them on the board. I said, no, Harris put them on the board. And I'm telling you what I got. I didn't even get the best of the number. This other guy got the best of it. I'm in after him. He says, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Now this was like his days off. This was like Monday. And I think John was off like Monday and Tuesday. He said, I, I said, Johnny, get to work, find all you can on rosters and let's try to find, you know, what kind of numbers we could put out about, you know, about these games. So he went to work and it took him a couple of days to find all these rosters, but eventually you could. And again, we didn't have the internet. You had to, you know, we had the UPI machine in our, in our office and you know, we could get some out of town newspapers and whatever. And <laughs> I remember that first week, you know, John, Hit a 19 parlay. That's <laughs> how bad these numbers were. Oh my like I, said, I made like 10 bets. And I think I might have bet nine and one. And John managed to not bet the <laughs> one loser I had. You know, so <laughs> he hit it. And I gave him a piece of everything that I had, you know, and we just murdered. And it was one of those deals where, you know, they just decided. And there was no rhyme or reason for any number they put on the board. They just totally made them up and threw them up there. I mean, really, it'd be like, 
you and I bet, making numbers on Ukrainian ping pong. You know, we have no idea. Well, where and they put them up yeah. and took action on them. It's unbelievable. This, but that was yeah, typical this, of this how was even, the place was. Yeah, and this was even worse than, say, trying to book the XFL this year. The XFL, you even had some idea of who these players were. But these guys were off the street in 1987. By the way, when you asked 14 or 15, I thought you meant the number of games played in a season, which was 15. You were referring to the number of games per week. Did they do this for all three yeah. weeks of this, of the scab games of the replacement player games? Oh no, they got murdered that first week. <laughs> so yeah, that was the end of that. They were having like, yeah, they, yeah. They, <laughs> week one was it. You know, that was it. That was uh, that gravy train didn't last long, especially with me and this other, well, the other guy in particular was like just so sharp. You know, after he bet him, then I bet him. I mean, uh, once again, cooler heads prevailed, but not after we, not until we took some pretty serious advantage. <laughs> like I said, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny told that he, he had a nine teamer that first week. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this was this was yeah, not Landry I mean, Jones playing quarterback or Cardale Jones. No. Like you didn't know these guys' names no. at all. Uh, we'll come back. Could you tell the horse racing story? This has nothing to do with Harris. This is one of the sure. classics. Chrissy's horse racing sure. story in tribute to one of the few sports that's still going on these days. Uh, this is a legendary story, uh, which has twists and turns. <laughs> Just phenomenal. On the way. Story time for Chrissy on a numbers game right here at the Vegas Stats Information Network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. It is a numbers game in this time of very few sports, let's put it that way, uh, that are going on these days. Always nice to hear these stories, which are just, and we were just talking about this off air, it's just so hard to believe uh, that these stories all happened, but yet, Chrissy, you were there for yeah. all of them. Uh, and you've got a great one here. I was to wrap there. Yeah. 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 This, you were there. This thing had nothing to do with Harris. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was saying, and we were also saying how, it, it, you know, maybe not enough is made of the fact, which is you, you said it earlier, which is it's because it was a burgeoning industry at the time. It was new. It was fledgling. And it just wasn't the and I use the word science off air, but it's not a science, but it, but it wasn't as tried and true uh, as it is today. You didn't have 30, 40 years under your belt or the industry didn't. And many times people just, as they are in many industries, arrogant, right? Oh, we know how to do this. This can't be that difficult until they lose their shirts. And it's just fascinating. You know, the microcosm of many under this industries as well, a reflection of many other fledgling industries in this country. That's what it was like then. Yeah, and even you know, you go up to the uh, you know, the, the boardroom or our upper management. Oh, this is easy. This is a piece of cake. You know, it'd be just like the way we put on slot machines in Deal Twenty One. And yeah, you know, no, it's, it's a whole yeah, different no. thing in our racket. Whole different thing. So anyway, let me tell the the horse Please. racing story. So I, I had a guy who was a good friend of mine, and uh, and we we got to be pretty close. And he was he bet a little bit of sports. But he was mostly a horse guy, and he was one of those guys. He wasn't really all that uh, concerned about reading the racing form, but he had a lot of information from the track, and he had information from tracks all over the country. But he's particularly strong in Northern California, and uh, he owned he owned a couple horses. He bred some horses, and uh, so he he had great information, great juice at the track, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, we were getting these horses occasionally. 
And he had, he called them the kids. He goes, the kids give me these two horses today. Kids gave me this. And the kids were like the assist, top assistant to one of the leading trainers in Northern California. Again, I don't want to mention the guy's name, but not the leading trainer, but, you know, in the top, like, two or three, four, maybe, trainers in Northern California. And when they would give us a horse, I mean, it was, you know, it was gold. And, you know, they weren't giving us eight to five shots or anything like that. They'd give us some pretty live things. So, anyway, I'm sitting at home one day, and uh, he calls me up. I'm in Reno. And he calls me up. He says, listen, I think we got something going tomorrow. Can you make it down to Bay Meadows? And I and right away I said, "Well, yeah, sure." <laughs> you know, before I could even ask him, "What is it we got going? What is it?" And I knew if he told me that, he was, you know, I knew it was something. He, I said, "Well, yeah, sure." Well, you know, what is it? He says, "Well, there's a half a million dollar carryover on the pick six, and the kids told me the favorites in five of the six races can't win." You're kidding. And he says, no, that's what they told me. They can't win. Well, okay. You know, he says, can you meet wow. me at 11 o'clock at this one restaurant? And I knew I had actually been there before. It was like kind of like a kind of like a wise guy hangout uh, on Camino Real in, uh, in San Mateo. He says, can you meet me there at 11 o'clock? Well, that means I had to leave like really early in the morning. So I left early in the morning. Uh, this was in I, th- I think July of '84. It might have been it might have been August of '84, and uh, I'll tell you in a second how I know that exact date. So anyway, I have my wife and my young son, my infant son, and my wife. She wants to come with me, which is fine because her mother lived in uh, in San Jose, and so you know, and I and her 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 fought her stepfather. So like my father-in-law, he was another horse player too. So I asked this friend, I said, can I bring him? He said, yeah, yeah, because we're going to look to make as big a ticket as we can make. We want to try to, you know, nail down this pick six. Okay. So we all meet at this restaurant. You know, my wife and my son go off with uh, her mother, and uh, my father-in-law stays with me. So, like, you know, Gil, I'm, you know, 28 years old. I put in $1,000. That's an absolute fortune to me. You know, but I knew this guy, if he told us we had something, I knew what it was. I think my father-in-law put in, you know, 500 or a thousand. I knew another guy put in a thousand. Anyway, there's a couple, there's a couple of his friends there too. All together, we put in a $10,000 ticket to play this pick six. And we're sitting there and, and, you know, and we got the two kids with us and we're going through the racing form, you know, race by race. You know, and I'm looking, Oh my God, this horse can't win. He says, no, I'm telling you, he just can't win. He's crippled. He can't win. And some of these horses were going to be, eight to five, even money, you know, maybe even odds on. And I'm looking at these and he's no, I'm telling you, we're not even going to put them on the pick six. They can't win. Okay. You know, so we wind up, we put together this ticket, you know, a $10,000 ticket. We put it in, you know, they give us a couple other horses and, you know, anyway. so now they get started, you know, and uh, it was one of those days I'm having like a pretty good day, even without this. So get to the first race of the pick six and, uh, Race goes off. It's like, I think the first race was like a $30 horse. We have them. Next race, $20 horse. We got him. Third oh, race, man. like another $20 horse. We got him. Fourth race was like a $10 horse. We got him. 
fifth race, like another 10 or 20, you know, whatever it was. I mean, all big numbers. We have every one of them. Now, like I said, it's 1984. And the reason I remember it was 1984. Well, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. But anyway, so now, now, you know, we got them. Now this was back in the day. They didn't give you like the will pays and all that other stuff. They didn't tell you anything like that, you know, but since this guy had juice at the track, you know, he would have owner and breeder privileges. He calls up to the office and finds out, well, you know, what are we looking at for this ticket? Well, now with the carryover and everything, it was up to 750,000. And uh, there's one ticket live. It's ours. One ticket live. So we're going oh into this my. last race. Now, this was the one race where the kids told us the favorite is probably going to win. Now, for horse racing fans out there, it's the kind of race you never see in America, in North America at this time. And you, you almost never saw it back in 1984. Uh, you know, it's a, a mile and a quarter on the dirt, $7,500 claimers. You know, really cheap horses on a mile and a quarter. So anyway, so we made a couple, a couple like win bets and exactas, you know, betting against this horse just to kind of, you know, hedge our bets a little bit. And so we go down. He says, "Come with me. Let's go down to the paddock." So like I said, he had paddock privileges and everything. So we go into the paddock. We put together. We 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 each pitched in a couple bucks. We got a ticket, five hundred to win on our horse. So we get five hundred to win on our horse. He goes, go give it to the jockey. I don't want them seeing me, but go give this to the jockey. And I forget the guy's name. I wish I could remember. I go, excuse me. And he looks at me. I said, here, this is for you. He, just, he takes the ticket. He looks at me. And I said, yeah, this is for you. We need you to win. And he, like, tucks it in his pants. Okay. I mean, five months, you know, that's that's pretty big score for those jocks. You know, they're singing for their oh, supper yeah. every day. Yeah. You know, Oh, yeah. You know, that's that, you know, so besides winning the race, you would get this extra nickel and a win. My horse goes off seven to five total pieces of crap in this race. Like I said, going a mile and a quarter. And I forget the exact fraction, but he busts this horse out of the gate. And I think the first <laughs> quarter they go like 23 and something. And uh, I think at the half, he's like, he's like going about in about 45, like maybe 46, you know, something like that. Like I look over to my buddy and I said, he's going faster than swale in the Derby. Now that's how I know it was 1984. Cause I, my money on swale, I made that 1984 Kentucky Derby. I had a big bet on swale. Probably this guy gave it to me, uh, to win the Kentucky Derby. And I, and I look over and I mean, he's like white. It's like uh, a piece of paper. I mean, he is, he's what, like he knows. And like I said, he knows that uh, he knows the horse is as good as anybody. And he knows right there, we're dead. You can't get a $7,500 horse to keep those kind of fractions. <laughs> a friend of ours is texting us. Yes. He just can't keep those kind of fractions. And, and so he goes to half and like, I think it was like 46 and something, you know, and they're, Oh my God. And I like sit back in my seat. Now, by this time, my wife, now my ex-wife, she's coming, she's like jumping up and screaming, jumping up and screaming. And I'm, <laughs> you know, and she looks at me, yeah. would you quit? 
would you quit being such a, a downer? We're going to win. I, you know, and I'm thinking, no, no, we aren't. No, quit being like that. Quit being like that. Well, you know, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> believe what I thought. And my guy, he hasn't moved. He knows we're dead. But, I mean, these are other pieces of crap. I mean, this horse about like 10 lengths on the field. So they, around the turn, they turn for home. He's shortening stride so bad. It's unbelievable. But here comes Mark. Now, you got to remember, every other horse in this race is a total piece of crap, too. So now we get to about the 16th pole. And now I can't resist it because he's still winning. And I jump up. Come on. Come on. Come on. And don't you know, <laughs> we get nailed in the final uh, jump. And I just sit back and I, uh, oh, my God, I blew. I kept in my head, I was thinking it was 100000 But it was more like 75000 Once I went back and looked, I blew 75000 You know, I'm 28 years old. It would have been an absolute force for me. But like I said, I look back. You know, we got divorced not that long ago. He would have wound up with all the money anyway. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't that big of a loss. He'd have wound up with all the money anyway. I don't know what my favorite part of that story is. That might have been the, the punchline. But the other part that I love is at the very beginning when you're like, I'm all in. Oh, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> That's the other part. Yeah, what do we got? I'm all in. What are you? What's going on? <laughs> Chrissy, uh, we love you. Thank you so much. Uh, story time with Chris Andrews. My pleasure. Book. Then one day, 40 years of bookmaking in Nevada. Hope you enjoy it. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.